This podcast is sponsored by WaterRight Technologies. For effective control of nematodes, look to WaterRight Technologies. Visit wrtag.com slash promax for more information. Hi, this is Taylor for My Ag Life, and today we are talking with UC Cooperative Extension Education Specialist Shulamit Schroeder about cover crops in California agriculture. Uh, Shulamit recently wrote an article in Progressive Crop Consultant summarizing how researchers in California are analyzing the best ways to incorporate cover cropping into the state's diverse agricultural systems, from high-value vegetable production on the Central Coast to the cotton, tomato, and almond fields of the Central Valley. Welcome, Shulamit. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, I read your article a couple times, actually. Uh, Really some insightful stuff about cover crops. It's seems like there's quite a lot of benefits, you know, once you outweigh um, maybe some of the negatives to it. Can um, Let's start by talking a little bit about the different areas you looked at for this article and kind of how cover crops are being used throughout California in um, various cropping systems and regions. Yeah, great question. So, as you and your listeners know, California is a huge state with a wide range of climates and crops. So I wanted to give a brief overview of some of the research going on throughout the state. Um, and I, I couldn't possibly fit all the different research into one little article. Um, I started off in the Salinas Valley, which is um, on the Central Coast. And that's where um, there's a big USDA organic long-term research project going on um, for almost 20 years. Um, so researchers there like Eric Brennan um, are trying to include cover crops into America's salad bowl, but there are some really tight scheduling requirements for the organic vegetable growers there. So they've had to get really creative and think outside the box of ways to include cover crops without losing an entire growing season. Okay. Yeah, I, in, the, in the article you mentioned a, a few different options, um, and some of those are getting uh, actually pretty creative. Uh, they're really interesting to to see how innovative um, these growers were getting um, in cover crop usage. Yeah, um, the the coolest one, in my opinion, it's not it's not quite feasible yet. Was to grow like um, a mustard and then take all the the biomass off the field and turn it into a juice. And then when your crop needs nitrogen, then use that juice as um, some a fertilizer. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I liked that too. It was like it was like a double usage factor with it. You're really getting uh, everything you could um, out of that cover crop. And I guess that brings me to a little bit of a side question: um, How could that be made more feasible? Do you think? Yeah. So the uh, Eric Brennan had a whole video about it. It's pretty cool. Um, would recommend watching it. Okay. And he said that you know. It could be similar to a dairy press. So, like, you know, if there's a contractor who can make a buck off of it, and you know, if he has a, a contractor has a, a dairy press, like they, they use to separate the manure from the water, um, if they could, you know, use something like that, and then just go around to all the different farms, um, and so, like, you know, one individual grower wouldn't have to buy the whole equipment if there was a contractor to do it. Um, so that, that was what he was envisioning which I thought was really creative. Yeah, it is really creative because, you know, once you're able to execute 
um, that it, it really it, it really just seems like a huge benefit and um, like any any positive would surely outweigh the negatives honestly yeah you just have to make sure you know you have to go through the learning curve of making sure it works on your system yeah definitely so you looked at cover crop research in various cropping systems so what is the research showing us about the potential benefits and pitfalls of cover crops in field crops, um, permanent crops, and in also vegetable crops throughout California? Yeah, so for field crops, I looked at two different long-term trials, both in the Central Valley. One was in Fresno County. Um, so Jeff Mitchell has been doing this uh, conservation pillage and cover crop system for about 20 years, um, and he's seen that it really does if you do these practices, then you reduce dust emissions and you can improve your local air quality. Um, also, you can improve your soil health by increasing water infiltration and soil organic matter. And then, um, so once the soil adjusts to that new system, then your yield is about the same as there was before, but you don't have to do as many tillage passes, so you can save yourself some time and money. Um, Interesting, so the other long-term trial I looked at for this article was in Yolo County at the UC Davis Russell Ranch, and they found that um, organic management and cover crops did really encourage beneficial fungi, and the, the tomatoes grown after cover crops really did like, they had, they had high yields, and higher yields than those grown more conventionally, but the corn didn't like it as much. So it's definitely an example of this isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of system. You have to really tweak it to your crops and your particular situation. And you're referring to this beneficial mycorrhizal fungi? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very, yeah, because... Okay. Yeah, that, that's really interesting that um, that the corn didn't take to it as much as, um, as the other crop. Yeah. I, I, in the, the, it was just a short report, so they didn't, you know go into detail about why they thought that was. I just thought that was an interesting difference. Um, and, and definitely good to know, you know. Um, yeah, and because the beneficial mycorrhizae, all those fungi, and, um, they, they don't like when there's a lot of tillage, when there's a, lo when there's a lot of bare ground. So if you have some cover crops in there to feed them, then they will be much happier. Very cool, yeah, that's, that's super interesting stuff. We're actually going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. Having problems with nematodes? Promax is your number one solution. Promax is a powerful fungicide nematicide that works to kill and control nematodes and soil-borne disease. Promax is a powerful and easy-to-use product in your fields. WaterRight Technologies is your source for this powerful solution. Visit wrtag.com slash Promax for more information. All right, we're back with Shulamit talking about cover crops. Uh, my next question for you, uh, Shulamit, is uh, according to your article, cover crops can reduce soil compaction, uh, improve water infiltration, um, improve soil structure, and encourage a healthier and more diverse soil ecosystem. Um, so given all those benefits, um, why are they not more widely used and what are some of the distinct challenges? Yeah, well, of course, one of the challenges is going to be California. Uh, it's going to be water, sorry. This is California. Um, so water is expensive and rainfall is erratic. 
So a grower might not want to spend money on irrigated crops that they won't be able to make money off of. Um, another challenge is that, you know, the benefits for this take some time to become evident. So you won't plant a cover crop and immediately see a huge difference. Uh, it's more of a gradual improvement. Um, and if you're leasing land and you don't know if you're going to be staying there for a long time, you might not feel like it's worth the investment of your time and your resources. Okay. Yeah, I, I noticed you had kind of mentioned in a couple instances that it was taking even like multiple years to see real differences uh, within this cover crop usage. Yeah, um, so the the cover crop study that I looked at for almonds, they did um, uh, like a progression and they saw that after 10 years, then the benefits would really start to outweigh the costs. So, you know, if you're going to be there for 10 years, then or 20 years, then it, it, it really does make sense. But if you're not sure how long you're going to be there, you might not feel like it's worth the, your effort. 10 years, that's crazy. And well, for, yeah. Just, I mean, 10 yeah. for that, for almonds, because you're also going to do a lot of other stuff. Would you say it's it's probably going to be shorter for other crops? It could be. I mean, it just depends on, you know, your particular soil and your management. Okay. So you, you'd really have to take into consideration what your long-term plans are as a grower um, before utilizing these cover crops. Yeah. Okay, cool. Going back to those almonds, actually, um, you were talking about in perennial crops frost uh, being a concern. So what are researchers learning about cover crops and frost risk in, in those almond orchards? Orchard, uh, the almond study I mentioned, it's run, it's run through Amelie Godin at Davis, and they did look at the air temperatures for the cover cropped areas of the orchard versus non-cover cropped areas, and they found that the air temperature was actually a little more stable over the cover crop, so there wasn't as much of a wild fluctuation in the winter, um, and the cover crops didn't reduce the air temperature at three and five feet above the ground which is, you know, the temperature that you care about. You don't care as much about, like, one foot off the ground because that's not where your your nuts are. Right. But that being said, if you are worried about cover crops posing a frost risk, then you could simply um, plant a low-growing cover crop like a clover, or you could plant later in the winter so that the cover crop isn't as tall when you're in those colder nights. I recall you saying some of that... Um some of that cover crop grass that was being used actually kept the ambient ground temperatures pretty stable um, as opposed mm -hmm. to not negatively affecting it. Yeah, so it doesn't, it doesn't you know, change as much from night to day. Okay. And so my last question for you is what resources and incentives are available to growers who are interested in implementing these um, cover cropping systems in their operations? Yeah, so I um, and I have nine coworkers throughout the state uh, through that we are a um, joint program between the California Department of Food and Agriculture and UC Cooperative Extension. And the 10 of us help growers apply for grants called the Healthy Soils Grants through the CDFA. So that is potentially one option for funding. Um, the application for this year just closed. I'm hopeful there will be another round of applications next year, but everything is, everything is up in the air because of how the pandemic has affected the budget. 
There are a couple other options you could look into. One is the USDA's Natural Resource Conservation Service. Um, they provide cost share for cover crops and a bunch of other conservation practices. And there are offices in just about every county. Another option for California growers is the Seeds for Bees program through Project HSM. That's a nonprofit, and they provide a discount on cover crop seeds that provide bee forage. And most of most a lot of cover crops do provide some bee forage, so they would they would potentially work for you even if you don't really care about bee forage. Okay, yeah, I was I was looking at some of those those benefits that it was having on bees. Um, it's really really important in this day and age with um, the state that uh, bee populations are in in a lot of um, portions of California. So it, improving the health of those populations is, uh, I imagine, really beneficial. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, they, um, so for the almond, when they did the almond study I looked at, they looked at if the bees were going to be pollinating the almonds less, and it, they weren't pollinating the almonds less just because they had more cover crops, but it did give them a more diverse diet which is important for everyone, including bees. Okay. Well, that's all really, really interesting. Um, who knew that cover crops could have so much diversity in their implementation and so much creativity in the ways that um, they are being implemented? Um, thanks for talking with us today, Shulami. I'm sure the viewers thought this was very interesting. Uh, I myself thought it was very interesting, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been Taylor with My Ag Life signing off. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates on new episodes, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.